At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Dentalks Podcast is powered by denanywhere.com, your one-stop shop for self-growth. Go there for workshops, classes, live classes, on-demand classes, certifications, retreats, Whatever it is you are looking for, we have it. Come join us. And now for only $49.99 a month, you have unlimited access to all classes live and the entire on-demand schedule. So you can make it work for you. So if you are looking for a chance to deepen your practice, show up every day, or even just a couple times a week, this is the membership for you. We cannot wait to see you in class. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up. Hi, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, and I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. I'm interviewing Christina Lonsdale today. She is amazing. For a while, when we were, everyone was up and running and there wasn't COVID, she was the one you wanted at like every party or every cool event because she would take this dome and take these incredible aura photographs. Um, and she just came out with this stunning book called Radiant Human, Discover the Connection Between Color, Identity, and Energy. I love this conversation. A, she's got amazing stories. We, you know, she was raised on a commune and you hear these crazy stories and then how she kind of navigated divorce and change and how it brought her to where she is. And also B, just this idea of really what she does is she's capturing energy. And so this idea of what we can do with our energy, how we have to be responsible for our energy and how we can shift it. You guys know that's one of my favorite topics, but this is, it really brings it back to this affirmation of how we have to take responsibility and step into it and how this relates to aura and then even aura photography and then who we are is just really cool. It's a very easy conversation. I hope you like it. Let us know. I'm excited to talk to you. Me too. I know Thank we try so to have for, you physically you. at the den so many yeah, times. Yeah, so. I know. Thank you so much for taking And by the way, coffee. this book is stunning. <laughs> So glad you do. Cool. It's beautiful. Thank I mean, you. thank you so much. It's, I mean, I might as well say it, not so the audience knows, like not only is it super informative for anyone who's curious about like auras and colors, then there's a tech, there's a photography aspect, which I love right. in there, but more importantly, it's like a stunning coffee table book. Thank you. Yeah. That was my goal. I really, um, as you can tell, love books and I wanted I wanted to kind of include my favorite parts of what I enjoy from books, but also what I enjoy from the project. And so I felt like, you know, working with my editor, it was really kind of a Rubik's cube to get together because 
there was a lot of like, okay, what do we do? Like, obviously there's color. Do you just go through like red, orange, you know, do you go through the whole gamut um, or do you do the personal story or do you do, you know, how are we going to fit all these kind of elements in, in a cohesive way where you can kind of read through and it'll be a story, but also visually impactful because obviously like the biggest part of Radiant Human is the visual aspect. I mean, that has been the language of this project. I mean, yeah. through Instagram, which is a very visually driven platform, I wanted that same kind of tone to be consistent throughout the book. And I felt like we were really successful there. I mean, it was like a balance between- you know, words and images. And I didn't want it to feel too heavy on either side. So um, I felt like we really um, drove it home there. So I'm really proud of that. Thank you. Oh my God, you should be. You were a thousand percent successful in that. It is so, so, look, and I love a good coffee table book and I love photography. And what's also so great about it, it's not just, I mean, yes, obviously the auras, all these colors around people in a photo are beautiful. It's, also, like their expressions and the snapshot of the whole thing tells Absolutely. such a fascinating story. It really Absolutely. becomes a great photography, like coffee table book, yeah. which I love. And then you're right. If you read, it's so informative. And I I loved how you interwove all the personal stories while explaining, because especially for someone like me, who's, which we'll talk about trying to grasp more of the ideas of what all the colors mean, how it signifies and how it changes. And I'm sure our audience wants to know too. So we'll get into that. It's you're, you really teach it. Yep. And then you have the visual to back it up. So I think people can really process it. It is the most comprehensive aura book of this time for sure. For Um, sure. Because when I was first coming into this, I was like, wait a minute. Like I'm such a visual person. There was no visual. There was like a lot of language, Um, but there wasn't really a lot specifically for aura photography that was visually driven. So that was a big goal of mine as well as to have physical examples. So when you came into it, was there just a lot of information about auras in general and people kind of talking about like what colors yeah. mean and chakras and all of mm-hmm. that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it is. So this is a really interesting thing. And I, and I feel like it's important for there to be a clarification of aura photography versus seeing auras with your own eyes. Yeah. Because um, I think for for people to understand what's happening here, they need to understand how the camera works. Um, how the camera works is it uses two hand sensors that you place your hands on top of, and the camera analyzes the wavelength of your electromagnetic field through your hands. Um, and it takes that wavelength and matches that wavelength to a color. That's how we see color, right, is wavelengths. So what this camera is actually doing, this is an interactive algorithm that's matching wavelength A, your body's energy, to wavelength B, a color. And then it's distributing that color as an overlay or a second exposure on top of a photograph of you. So this camera is not seeing your aura. It is translating your energy into basically a filter on top of a photograph of you. So it's distributing color based on three categories. So your internal energy, your mental energy, and your outgoing energy. And what I um, what I want to make clear is that is not how you know, a typical, you know, clairvoyant will see an aura. Um, There's a really good example of Barbara Brennan, Hands of Light, which is the most classic aura book of of the century, right? Um, 
hugely influential book for me as a child. And um, that book really, um, you know, paved the way for me in, in a certain respect. But that's not how the camera distributes color, according to how she sees those um, you know, I want to make that difference uh, of that. Have you ever, like, do you have friends who see auras? Like, have you um, ever done no, side by know, side? Like, you're like, I'm going to take the picture and you tell me what you see. Have you ever done that? Yeah, no, because I mean, why? Because it's not, it, it's not going to translate the same. Does that make sense? Like the way people see auras and the way a camera, a camera's algorithm um, matches a wavelength is not necessarily going to be the same. But will it pull the same information? Meaning like- It could. You know what I mean? I mean it just she depends might see on... it differently, but then you might be getting the same information. Right, 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 right. No, I see what you mean. Different. Yeah, I see what you mean. Totally. Um, I haven't experimented with that. So it could be totally. The, I mean, that. the opportunities are endless. I mean, really, I've been- I've been photographing for the last six years and maybe almost seven now. And um, it is unlimited. It really is. I feel like we've really scratched the surface as far as like what our discoveries can be um, using um, tools like this. So where's, and I know I love your story of, and I want to talk about it because I think it's fascinating, like growing up on a commune and all that. Um, But it's so interesting I love how like you grew up on a commune, you were surrounded by like hippies, meditators, I'm sure tons of people who see auras and all that stuff. It's so interesting that you landed in that world, but yet in like a heavy technology version of it. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I think that it really is a great example of the sign, like a, like the, the times that I grew up in, right. The, the digital age and, and also the new age. So um, I feel like Radiant Human really encapsulates both um, my new age upbringing, but also the dig- digital age that I grew up in. It, it, it remind me what year you were born? 1980. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So you're literally. Yeah. So, okay. So your parents met, your dad founded two communes, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. your mom was a hippie at First heart. Off, sorry to interrupt you, but he named the commune Lorien, which is an elf village in Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. So it kind of gives you like a tone of like who my dad is. And then my mom was hitchhiking with a goat named Foxy Lady. So that gives you a tone of who she is. So I'm surprised that the world just didn't like explode when they met because I felt like, you know, here's like two very strong, independent, visionary people that just kind of like met and then like created two amazing women. My sister's also really incredible. She's one of the first snowboarders, um, professional snowboarders. Her name's Athena, which is like, you know, also pretty amazing. Um, and she is also a professional photographer. So she was oh, a cool. huge influence in my life as well. So did they, are they still married? Are they still alive? No, they are separated. They, yeah, they separated. I was, was going to say, how do two personalities like that stay together? <laughs> that was literally going to be my question. No, no, no. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Um, there's definitely like, you know, conflict of interest there and, um, and they separated. How long were they together? Um, I think they were together for like 13, 15 years. I mean, that's yeah. a chunk of time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How old were you when they separated? Um, I was like, I mean, separation takes a long time, right? I think as far as like what I've understood of separation, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's sometimes it can just like be over in a flash and sometimes it can kind of go through a gray space. And we were in a gray space um, for about two years. Um, so it was like about five, when I was five. About So you were, yeah. you were young. Yeah. But then did you continue to live on 
your dad? It was like, a super so what was the living experience. situation? So the living situation was wild for me. And that was like a big, you know, I'm, I'm really like grateful that I can talk about this thanks to therapy. And I'm like a huge advocate <laughs> for therapy because as you can imagine, like, I mean, divorce for anybody, like watching your family dismantle is a really challenging, um, you know, psychological process to go through. And so for me, um, living with a family that is not only like my actual family, but also if you think about a commune family, right, a whole group of people um, to because because the commune kind of like I was born during a really interesting time. I was born in the 80s. My sister, who's much older than me, she was born in 70. So she was 70. I'm 80. Um, So 10 years later, she got a lot of like the traditional commune experience. When I came about, I mean, there was, I mean, you have the book, so you got to be, you got to see the pictures. So when my sister was born, they had, you know, the, the teepees, they were all kind of like still figuring it out. They were, you know, um, very kind of rough around the edges. By the time I came around, a lot of the, um, kind of riffraff kind of disappeared. And it was like the, OG people that have been there for a long time, really invested in the community, built their own houses. So no longer sleeping in teepees, built their own houses, but still pretty like communal in the sense that we all kind of like, especially the kids kind of um, would migrate from house to house. And there was footpaths from to each other's homes and free range animals and, and, and farms. Like I remember just like a beautiful, like you know, bucolic memories of like just eating fresh vegetables off of the vines and just all those things. So all of a sudden there's, you know, there's something going on, you know, as a child, you're, something's happening. And because you're not able to fully grasp or understand in an adult sense, what separation is or, or what like, you know, you know, mom's going to go away for a while or dad's going to go away for a while. Like those are like really challenging concepts, especially when everything's so tied in. And um, so basically it blew apart and we all had to figure it out. And um, my mom ended up moving to San Francisco with my sister. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was not only separated from my mother, but I was also separated from my sister So, um, and then the commune stayed where it was, but my dad removed himself from, from that environment. Um, and so we lived, he was doing real estate at the time. And so we basically like lived in some of the houses that like were empty and he would rent them from the people that it was just kind of like, we were on the move for a while. And it was like really trippy to go from like this, like really abundant wealth of social interaction with like a larger family community. Um, and then all of a sudden it's me and my dad and my dad's That's going so through a really rough time. What was the choice of each one of them taking a child? Do you know, have you talked it to was about weird. that? You know, yeah, I have, I have, um, it was based on puberty. And I think, you know, in retrospect, that seems so strange to me, but, um, my dad and my mom decided that I was going to be with my father until I turned 10. And then my mother would take me in case I got my period. <laughs> sounds like such a boy decision. I know. It was- <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you then five years later ish or three years later went uh-huh. to San Francisco. 
Yeah. Well, so um, my mom would take me during the summers. So I got to spend the summers in San Francisco and that was really cool. Golden Gate Park is a forever memory for me. It's a really beautiful place. And then one summer you just stayed when it was the shift, when it was time to have. Um, She actually moved down to Santa Barbara. So when I was 10, I moved to Santa Barbara and that was the change, right? So I was born in 80, then in 1990, moved to Santa Barbara to live with my mom at and my grandmother and all my uncles and aunts. So all of a sudden I go from like, so it's really, actually, it's really interesting when you, I, I, this is the first time I've thought about this. So I was born in a commune, all these people, this abundance of, of, you know, um, you know, a community. Yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden it like shrinks into very like me and my dad surviving, making it work. And then it goes into me moving in with my mom, who also moved in with my grandmother, who has this most amazing home in Santa Barbara, which sounds really fancy, but they are um, second generation Santa Original Barbara. Original Santa Barbara, and yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but um, they um, it's very like Santa Barbara mission style. Um, love that. My grandmother and my grandfather are really um, invested in Mexican culture. They belong to the Catholic church and they would take um, a lot of, you know, they would take a lot of donations to take down to the churches throughout Baja. And they would take all the kids, all six kids, um, and take them down to Baja and drop off all of um, all their donations. And meanwhile, the kids would grow up surfing and playing in the water. And they ended up moving the whole family down to Mexico at some point in time. And then my grandmother left my grandfather with all the kids and moved back up to Santa Barbara and raised my mother there. Um, and they uh, so I'm kind of like flip-flopping around because I, I realized no, I never told great. you that my grandfather and my, my grandfather built, um, a home, a very beautiful home, took them 13 years to do it. Um, they made their own bricks out of the mud in the ground. So they have a traditional Santa Barbara mission style home Love in this. Montecito. They bought a, um, I think it was like an acre for $2,000. They didn't even have a car. They were looking at property, riding bicycles. They <laughs> saved up all their money, bought this property and built this home, which brick by is brick. gorgeous. Um, and unfortunately it's no longer in the family, but, um, oh. but that's where, that's where I moved when I was 10. And all my aunts and uncles lived there with my grandmother, um, you know, all six kids. Um, so I was, again, surrounded by community. So you went back into a community. Yes. And what about, that's so interesting. And it sounds like you like the community part of all this. It sounds like I'm a when social you were- person, I'm a Sagittarius. So it's a part of me. It's just like, I love, and like, it's been so interesting to see the challenge through, um, you know, going through COVID. lockdown yeah. of like, how am I going to, you know, I don't know if like it. I don't know what the right word is, but it's kind of like getting fed in a way, but I, that kind of sounds leechy. It's not like that. It's like, it's like you, you need that interaction. You need to, um, it's kind of like, like being a bee, you want to go jump on a couple of flowers and, and cross pollinate and share ideas and share stories. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about thriving for me, but and then that's so interesting. Now, was your sister out of the house when you moved in with your mom? Yeah, she was snowboarding at the time. 
Yeah. So she started, she started traveling the world and like going on helicopters, getting dropped off on glaciers and in Alaska, going to Tokyo. Like it was like, she was this rock star and I so looked up to her. She was, I mean, she still is very cool. Where did she start? Was it like in the Tahoe area? Where was like, yeah, she started doing Tahoe and, um, some other place, but she was kind of like a, um, you know, traveled around. That's awesome. So how, how do you feel like this translates to how you live now? Granted you're in COVID, but like, do you feel Mm -hmm. like you are, do you feel like you create community wherever you go? Um, yeah, I do. I think, um, I think it's really interesting. I, um, I, I think you kind of attract what you need, you know, in certain ways. And so I, I found, I find myself again, lucky to be surrounded by family um, my partner has a really big family. He was born and raised in, um, New York and nobody left, like everybody stayed. So <laughs> New Yorkers tend to do that. Yeah. For a good reason. This is an amazing city. So, um, there's, that has a lot to offer. So I, I mean, I can see why they stayed, um, especially for how tight knit they are. So, um, I've been blessed again with being surrounded by a community. It's so interesting. And it's like, you find like your pod. Yeah, totally. And especially now, right. We have gone through like one of, I mean, never in the history of this world have, have we all had to stay home, you know? I know. Like how wild is that? How lucky are we that we live in this time that we have witnessed like what this is? I mean, yes, a lot of really challenging things are happening, but there's a lot of silver linings out of this. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten DMs, heard stories of, of just like the silver lining of just having to stay home and be with your family and 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 making that choice, right, to show up and totally. being challenged in really unexpected ways. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Even in its awful time, I would say and te- when I would teach, I'd say, you guys, like you are part of history for good or for bad. Yep. There's no way not every aspect of this is going to be written about in a gazillion books, like whether it be the economic, like the economic side, whether it be social side, they're going to be studying the repercussions of this for years. And there's going to be studies and, you know, whether it be about how population has changed or how disease control, I mean, there's a million angles to it. And, and how we've chosen to socially interact too. I think to that's going to be really interesting, especially once you start looking at the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to, I can't, I can't even remember, but I was listening to like, I listen to podcasts all the time. So it's kind of hard to decipher where I heard this voice, but um, she was talking about gaming and, um, and the future of, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Um, digital fashion. Ah, digital fashion. There's so much potential um, for these new gaming platforms to be our social spaces. And now we're dressing our avatars with fashion. You can, you know, in not that much more time, you're going to be able to, you know, buy a shirt, right? Buy, buy like, and, and be able to scan the QR code and that same shirt can show up on your Bitmoji. That's so crazy. You know, That's so interesting. That? That and is- also like it, it, it sounds creepy, right? And this is, this is where I am in, from an eighties baby perspective, especially new age digital baby is, 
it's really exciting and it's really creepy. It's creepy from a 1984 perspective of now mm-hmm. they know all this data, right? Like there's a really amazing book called The Internet of Things um, that I highly suggest for anybody interested in this. Um, but then it's also really exciting in a way for there is so much potential. I feel like these platforms are training wheels um, for basic global consciousness, right? That we yeah. all get to interact in these new ways without our bodies. And um, that I think is really exciting. I think that it's gonna, there's a lot of pros and cons, obviously, but um, but it's also really exciting to think of the potential of what we can do. I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny you say that because my daughter who's only five, any of the games she plays, it's sort of like, mama, mama, do you like this outfit? Do you like this outfit? And I'm always like, oh my God, I don't care. Um, but it's like, it's like so obsessed with the clothes they can put on these yeah, avatars. Because these are ways that they're interacting now with their image. You know, if you think of it in, in kind of, a, almost like a um, Plato's cave way, these are reflections of our reality that we choose, right? So um, of course, like what outfit are you going to choose for that? You know what? Yeah. It's, and it's more than that. What are you going to do with it? Hey, so I wanted to talk about our memberships. So if you are listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, you can now be a part of our community for $49.99. That's it. You can take class every single day as much as you want. You can take classes 10 times a day if you'd like. Between our live schedule and on our on-demand library, you will have unlimited access. What's beautiful about this now is make it work for you. Whatever you respond to, however you are growing, you will have the ability to set your own schedule And again, like I said, make it work for you. So join us, become a denizen, $49.99. We can't wait to see you in class. Okay, guys, I'm announcing our next Dentalks Live, which I love to do. Um, It is not live in a space, but it will be live online at denanywhere.com. So please join us. It's May 1st at 5 p.m. The guest is amazing. It is Paul Selig. When we had him in person, he sold out. He is an incredible channeler, and we always get lucky enough where he does channel for us, and he is brilliant, and his brilliance is also in how humble he is, so he is one of my favorite people to interview and favorite people to talk to for the amount of books that man has written and channeled and the amount of incredibly powerful information he has to share with us you would think he'd be less humble and he is not. He is literally the most humble man I've ever met um, and kind. And again, the information he has to share. So I am excited to really dig in, especially at this kind of hopefully what is the tail end of COVID, really understanding from more of a spiritual perspective and what the guides have to say about everything. Now, don't forget the beautiful thing about a Dentox Live is you too get a chance to participate. So there is always a Q&A and he is a person you want a Q&A with. Absolutely. So make sure you join us. Again, go to denanewer.com. It's our Den Talks Live, May 1st at 5 p.m. Um, you can always just go to Up and Coming. It's so easy to find stuff under that Up and Coming and see everything else we have going on. But do not miss it. I promise it's going to be great. May 1st at 5. See you there, me and the most amazing Paul Selig. What I One of the things I loved about your book, too, is that a lot of the information you derived is by actually really studying it. So which I appreciate, you know, it wasn't just simply like, look, there's purple, there's yellow. And this is what I've kind of learned. It's like, you really started taking it to the mat by studying it and talking to people. So you really got a sense of what these pictures represent and also kind of self-study. Like, so have you done any projects on yourself during COVID checking like what the, what the response has been to your energy? 
You know, no, I haven't. I took a, um, I took a message from the universe that this is the time where we're all going to take a break. Yeah. I know. I get it. That's what I did. I took a break. I, I, I focused on finishing the book and that was what I focused on. I didn't focus on, um, taking photographs. I obviously wasn't photographing other people because I want to make sure that I'm respecting, um, the safety of everyone. And so, yeah, I just took a break and I had a baby. So I got to, I got to be with my baby and that was really important to me. Wait, that's so awesome. Okay. Did, have you done photos of her? No, because I'd be so curious. I'm like, I'm baby. Yeah, I, um, I will. I'm sure I will. Um, but I'm really like respecting this time with her. Like how old is she? She's one and a half. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And it's such a lovely age. Like it is so exciting. And, and by the way, like having a baby wasn't really necessarily a bucket list thing for me to do. It was a choice that we made and it was like such a kismet moment that this happened. And so it was kind of like, I got a very clear message from the universe that this is like me at my best. And I was like, okay, let's go. And I can see now why that is because it is so informative and so amazing to show another little human how to be a human, you know, Mm -hmm. and it shows you also how you're going to be a human. And it's so challenging, so emotionally charged on so many levels, but also so rewarding. And I know that this is just sounds like so normal because every mom says this, but I really feel it now. What, What has been the most challenging for you? Um, I think sharing my time, Mm -hmm. I think that has been like a big surprise for me is that, you know, before, as you can see in the book, I've been a very independent person. I've never really, um, I've I've just done it my way. Mm -hmm. And with a kid, sometimes you you don't get to do it that way. (laughs) So then you get to witness yourself being a kid in, in certain ways where you're not getting what you want. So it's a big, it's about negotiation. It's about collaboration. It's about, you know, advocacy. It's about a lot of those things. And so um, I've been really challenged, especially coming out. So I was pregnant um, while I was finishing the book. So I basically had two babies on the way and now, and it was like amazing that like all of a sudden through lockdown, like I got to really devote time to both. And I got like, that is such a silver lining for me. So grateful for that, that I was able to um, really focus on those things without feeling like I was sacrificing um, my tour or my community or, you know, my business. And so I think now it's been a little bit of more of a challenge, you know, just managing my time of, of being, being there for my baby and also being there for my book. It's, it's hard. I mean, that for me is the biggest challenge too, is that negotiation. And it's so funny when you said you become like a child again, too. It's like, oh my God, sometimes I want to throw the biggest temper tantrum. I want this. Yeah. Why? (laughs) And it's funny. And it's interesting because as they become older and more like needy of the, it's, it's a different type of need. It's, you know what I mean? And it, but it changes and it's so interesting. And I've been working a lot on that too, to be like, why do I get so frustrated because I can feel it internally this like challenge of like kind of I call it like my selfish desires which isn't fair either Um, right but you have to honor yourself you have to honor yourself and if you you sometimes want so it it is really 
interesting. And I agree because I'm a very independent person yeah. too. Yeah. And, and so- it's also all about your partner too. I've been mm-hmm. so lucky with the support of my partner. Like it's been, a, it's been so, I, I told him I'd fall in love with him even more now that mm. we have a kid because seeing him as a father is so cool and seeing aspects of him through her and aspects of me through her. It's just really cool to see that blossom. Um, and it really does like, uh, you know, it takes a lot, um, of partnership to be like, I, I don't know what's happening with me, but I can't deal right now. I need 20 minutes and boom, there you go. Like, it's so nice to be able to, um, trade off like that, especially because we're both home. I mean, that's like a super silver lining out of that too. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting to start negotiating life only from home because you totally. don't get any, especially if you're someone like that, you don't always get yeah. space Yeah, and that can be a lot. Yeah, absolutely. A lot. Does he, does he play in this field too? What does he do? Oh my God. He is the most amazing blues musician. Um, so what's amazing is that like both of our, it, it's funny. We have a lot in common. Um, I think the blues is really about harnessing, um, you know, what makes us human, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the blues is about harnessing and expressing what makes us human. And that's also what aura photography is about and and what radiant human is about. So um, I feel like we really connected on that level for sure. How do you feel like the aura photography helps people. What's incredible about this is that you really get what you put into it, right? If somebody just wants like a new, you know, cool photo of themselves with some color on it, you're going to get that. If you're on your own path of self-discovery, you're going to get more because you're more invested in the situation or in the experience. Um, how, um, how the experience goes is you, you walk in, you get your photograph taken. And basically what I do is I take a short amount of time to really like give a good download of what these colors mean. Right. And so when you are, are kind of witnessing what your energy means, and by the way, this is like, I think what is a a big cornerstone of what radiant human is, is it's, it's conceptualizing energy in a new way you as a human have energy. And I think a lot of people understand that, right? But a lot of people don't really conceptualize that this energy isn't just stopping inside of you. It's going outside of you. This is surrounding you, which means it's also in your environment. It is in other people's environments. Mm -hmm. And I think especially like um, now that we've gone through a year of COVID, what I think is really fascinating is that we've become a lot more aware of what we can't see, right? We've become aware of our surroundings, aware of how we're affecting the environments we're in. And I think that this awareness is going to go further um, into our future. And what I love about this um, this experience, as far as radiant human goes, is that you become more aware of your energy and, and also your own, um, ability to change it. Um, the, your energy obviously changes. So you're not just 
you know, you don't just have a life sentence to your aura as far as like being a yellow aura or being a purple aura. You are always shifting. Some people do, some people don't. Some people stay for a lot longer than others. And that's, I think, also what's really interesting is that when you come back, and this is where the beneficial part of aura photography comes in, is once you start having more regular photographs, you're able to witness your personal growth and actually have a physical, Mm. tangible result of that. And I think that there's something really rewarding about that and informative because it's it's unbiased right this is a machine you're interacting with this is an algorithm you're interacting with so it, it is like looking into a mirror literally it's just going to show you it, there's no there's no personal opinion it's just going to show you what you're giving it so it's um it's this like almost uh it's literally a reflection of where you're at and how could that not be beneficial if especially if you're on your own path to self-discovery how do you feel like you find people's reactions to it are people expecting a certain thing is there ever yeah. a disappointment does anyone ever kind of just disagree and dismiss because they want oh to yeah look a certain totally way? totally I mean there um I've had times when um, you know someone showed up with red and they're like no I'm not a red and I'm like do you want to do it again I'd, I'd be happy. To, I mean, I don't offer, you know, double photos all the time, but I, I wanted to make sure um, that they, you know, felt seen. That mm-hmm. was important to me. And so we did it again and it was still red. Um, and so, and that was also early in, in my photography where I was like, okay, yeah, like, let's see what happens. Um, and so I, I was really, um, I was really more focused on wanting him to feel seen. And I I think after talking to him and what's really interesting is that there is this, um, there's this tendency for people to put a hierarchy on color, right? Which I find fascinating. And I, through this work have seen that there is no best color to have at all. There is no hierarchy of color. Every color has a mixed bag. Every color has good qualities and bad qualities, just like personalities, Um, which is really what these colors are, right? Colors are representing these personalities, these aspects of self. And as you go through your own personal process, you're probably going to wear a lot of different hats. So there's no one hat. Um, You aren't just one thing. You're many things. And so that's also what I think is so valuable about our photography is that you get to witness yourself in these roles these in these stages of life as you progress through um, through your life and um, what I've noticed for people that are really kind of like resistant to whatever color they have is that they're still in the process of accepting where they're at you know what I mean Mm. Um, and I think that that is um, a really and also receptive to an experience that might be challenging. I think that's also a really interesting aspect too, is that um, there's there's this like I think when you are unveiling or or opening the layers of self, sometimes you're not going to see what you want to see, and so there's there's that process too. And I think that's what's really exciting about aura photography is that. Um, you know, you're not going to just see like, you know, beautiful, like, you know, rainbows or, or, you know, it's not going to be perfect all the time there. You're going to have to deal with um, some of the stuff that you got buried in there somewhere. But it's funny. Cause even you said in your thing, sometimes a full rainbow is actually not what you want. Cause it, exactly. sh- it shows that you actually have too much. You're not going on. 
yeah, too much is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was or, so interesting. Or another thing that I've noticed that's really common with rainbows is that they're empaths that are still in Taking the beginning on. stages of their awareness of being um, what I call a conduit. And um, so you are a little bit more vulnerable to energetic overwhelm if you haven't learned how to create the um, boundaries that you need to protect your energy. Right. How um, that's so interesting. So talk about red, just because that's where we would tell me like the negatives that people think about it, why someone like him would be like, I am not a red. And then what it what's interesting about it? Well, a lot of people associate red with anger, right? Or frustration or aggression. Fire. Um, Totally fire. I mean, you as an Aries, here we go. But I love like, there's yes, I've had to learn how to temper my fire, but like, I'm so thankful for my fire. Exactly. So there's like, there's a good side. There's pros and cons to everything, right? You can have that fire, which means you can get stuff done, Mm -hmm. which means that you're a starter, which means that you can initiate and, um, and really propel energy. Um, which is what also red is known for. Red is, has a lot to do with um, new beginnings. What's fascinating is um, I've seen a lot of red show up for people um, that are pregnant, that are going through job changes, that are going through life changes, like moves. Um, I've seen a lot of red um, actually show up for people that aren't going through changes. And once I've talked to them more and more about it, they're very like no BS practical people that are like physical, tangible, see it to believe it type people. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really interesting, I I created a, um, well, I won't go into a tangent about that, but what I've noticed (laughs) is that there is, is a two sides to a coin, right? There's people that are going through kind of a holy shit phase of their life where they need to get real about what's going on in their life. And then on the other side, there's people that aren't going through a holy shit phase, but are very real about what's going on in their life. And so what I've noticed is there's this, um, there's this commonality between them as far as getting real, right? Two totally different situations in their lives, but they still have the energetic tone that is the same, which is the Mm -hmm. color red. Also, you said something in the book about red also can signify being tired, right? Or was or that muddy red? Muddy red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's where we get into this a really is interesting. interesting aspect is that what I've noticed is that there isn't a hierarchy of color, but there is a hierarchy of tone. So the quality, ah. the texture of color is what I've noticed um, represent like what, what we would call good energy or bad energy. So if you are feeling run down, if you're feeling fatigued, if you're feeling just constrained or, um, or, uh, just funky, then you're going to be a little bit more muddy. So if it's a muddy color, then it's more, um, funky. If it's more brighter, cleaner, freer, then that's, that's more, um, of, of the energy that I would imagine people would want. Oh, so that's interesting. So it's like the vibrancy of the color kind of yes. alludes to the positives the of that yeah. color. Which you could and the muddiness leads to like more of like what people would say are like the negatives or the you know shadow of the color. Exactly. Which you could equate to energy, right? Yeah, it's everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, every chakra, it's like every chakra has, you know, the shadow and the, you know, what the what you want it to be at its best. So 
Oh, that's interesting. So talk about, so let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum, purple, which you said, which I find fascinating. People are always like, I want to be purple. Totally. So talk about that from its vibrancy to its muddiness. Yeah. So what I've noticed is that a lot of people that are in visionary roles have purple. Um, So artists, but also um, people that are more concept driven, like, um, uh, let's see, what would be kind of like an unconventional, unconventional. Yeah. Um, people that are unconventional will have purple. So, um, you know, I would imagine like a top secret spy Mm. (laughs) might have purple because they have to wear different roles. They have to, um, kind of work with perception, which also has a lot to do with purple. Um, what I've noticed is that the cleaner purple will be more in tune with their vision and see their tune in actuality, which at that point they might have more of a red purple. Um, because keep in mind an aura photo isn't just one color. Usually it's a combination of colors, just like we don't all just wear one hat. We wear multiple hats. Um, and then the downside, as far as like a more of a muddy purple, it's, it's visionary fatigue. So sometimes if you're just feeling like you're not getting to your vision, or if you feel like you're um, coming up upon challenges for your vision, or if you're just uninspired or burnt out. Yeah. Or burnt out. Would that come with like a muddy red in there too? Or mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. And it just depends on the person too. I mean, that's also what was really challenging about the book is that there's so many um, variables that you can work with. So it was really hard for me to um, kind of pick and choose which one was going to go in the book. Cause you can't just put everything in there. Now, did you find like when you work with couples or let's say a baby and a mom like that, is it, do you, did, would you do the experiment of doing them individually and then together to see how oh, yeah. it changes? I'm yeah. That was, sure. that, that was like very basic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That <laughs> was like, duh, um, all. <laughs> no, 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 not duh at all. I mean, that was just like that, that I'm glad you said that because that was a natural progression for me for sure. Of, of like, um, of being able to see kind of like how people bring energy to the table. And I, and that's also something that I love doing is I photograph groups of people. So I'll photograph um, individuals within like a company, a family, um, uh, you know, whatever. And I'll photograph each person and then group the images together to create a group aura. Um, You can see an example of that in the book as well. But um, it's really exciting to be able to see kind of like how we as a community or as a group um, create energy and create actually an aura through that. Could you ever tell if there was like just a dominating source? Oh, yeah. Group, if there's like one person who's dominating it, can you tell? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's really interesting. You can. And I think this is like really a big part of the project as well is being able to find language to explain energy in new ways that um, have people feel seen. And um, there, there's a dominant energy, right? You know, those people, right. That just fill a room with their energy, but then there's also people that give their energy away. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I'm photographing a couple and I see that oftentimes I'll bring both of that up because I think as <clears throat> as anybody in a partnership goes, you know, you know where the give and take is. And sometimes it's not about someone being dominant. It's about someone not fully stepping into their own role. And that's so fair. Cause it's so easy to always pass the blame of being yes. like, well, you're too much versus we'll like step into it. Yes. it. I know. I really liked how you did 
that couple over years. Yeah. And, and watch was... the shift of it and what they were going through. And yeah. from like tough times to like the baby, mm-hmm. new time. I mean, it was really interesting to see how. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. We were actually both pregnant at the same time. And so our, our kids are similar age. So it's, it was really, um, I mean, of course, like as you're photographing these people, you're developing relationships. And so it was really, especially like, um, after hearing that she was kind of going processing her own, um, health chronic and, um, and then seeing her like a year later and all of a sudden she's pregnant and just glowing. Um, it was, it was just so, so cool to be able to photograph that moment. And in the book, I talk about those energetic landmarks, right. About how amazing it is to be able I mean, when we travel, let's say to like France, we want to get a photo of ourselves in front of the Eiffel tower or just a photo of the Eiffel tower or whatever you want to capture those landmarks to represent that memory. And so it's really difficult to be able to capture those landmarks as far as energy goes or, or, or moments of your life, like a breakup or like an illness or like, um, um, a pregnancy, right? Um, being able to capture those, those energetic landmarks um, has been really validating for me, I know, but also for others. So that's thank so you cool. for bringing that up. Really cool no, that's that so couple. neat, actually. What about like, can you see, what does illness come up as? And can you see it? Have you ever been able to know someone was like really mm. sick before they even knew? You know, I'm really glad you bring that up because I think that it's also really important to um, clarify. I don't identify as a healer. Um, I'm an artist first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I do think that you can find um, healing through art. I think that you can find um, those. And that's what I hope Radiant Human is for people. Um, That this is a a way to, um, you know, see yourself through these images and um, through that can be a really healing experience. Um, So I don't, I don't, um, I don't diagnose people. I don't try to fix them. I'm here for, I'm here to capture them. I'm here Mm -hmm. to document the moment for them. Um, So I, I have noticed people that have illness that are documenting the illness for themselves. um, But in no way do I prescribe anything for them. Right. And what, how do you feel like illness gets represented color wise? Um, You know, I, I think it comes muddy colors oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah all different versions of the colors or yeah but I'm also really quick to say you know what that that muddiness keep in mind this is a photograph this is a second time this is just me capturing you mm-hmm. and energy is really interesting in the sense that it can represent um you know a muddiness in a photo can represent just you having a funky day yeah of course you being stuck in traffic or you just getting a shitty phone call like that doesn't mean you have cancer Right. right. No, no, no. Um, of course. And so it's interesting. It's, it's and someone those... who has cancer might be in an amazing aligned. Exactly. Yeah. Being in their truth and, and being connected to source and, and being like on, on the, on the, on their path to like healing. Well, it's funny because most healers, even though you mm-hmm. say you're not a healer, most healers would say, um, it's not about curing. Yeah. It's about aligning. So yes. in, in their mind, a healer would be successful yes. when, because, and they even say, you you don't always get someone who comes in with cancer and all of a sudden the cancer is wiped out. That might not be exactly what they're aligned to do. Totally. But if you can get them in right relationship with themselves in the universe, totally. and then the path to go eventually becomes smoother and easier and feels more fulfilled. 
then that's a healing. Like that's a beautiful healing. Yep. Sometimes the healing comes with disease changing or shifting or going away, but that's mm-hmm. not the point. It's not yeah. the goal. Um, so and it, notice the energy behind that, right? Notice the energy behind both of those things. Like you can already see that alignment is cleaner mm-hmm. and therefore brighter than the latter, right? right. And, and that's how it shows up in the photograph. Right. And like you said, there's plenty of people who don't hold illness that are not aligned at all yeah. and may never be. Yep. That's interesting. What is like, what, what was the most surprising photo that you've taken? You know, I don't know about surprising, but I think the most memorable was being able to photograph my grandmother before she died. That was really special for me. Um, being able to, um, you know, she, she makes a joke that I hear often, which is like, oh, I'm just going to come out black. And so I have like a joke. I love that you just said the joke because like, we all have that joke that we make that we're like, you know, that person here and you hear the responses. I was like, "Uh." and it's like, you know, that person gets that joke all of the time. (laughs) So I have the, um, you know, Response. retort to that joke, which I say all the time, which is, and it's the truth is I just say, it just means if it comes out black, it just means that I ran out of batteries. <laughs> so, um, so she chuckled at that. And so, um, I took her photograph and sure enough, she came out this beautiful, rich blue, which is so my grandmother. She's always been very dedicated to her family, very nurturing, very, um, which are all qualities of blue, by the way. And so it was really, um, really cool to be able to capture that for her and for me. So is blue like maternal? Is blue... Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you see there's, um, there's a specific page where I dedicate to parents um, and it's not just mothers either. Fathers also show up with a lot of blue. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. And so you got to do that before. Yeah. It's passed. not just gender specific. It's, it's, it is about the, um, unanimous human kind of connection of, of, of giving and and receiving that, that is such a blue thing. So I want to talk about something I feel like people do not take enough advantage of our certifications. A lot of people don't realize we have as many certifications as we do. Here's a beauty. You can now do it no matter where you live in the world or what your time zone is. There is something for you. And again, certifications are a brilliant way if you're looking to change your career, if you're interested in something you just want to know more, or frankly, if you kind of are craving to go on a deeper journey with yourself. Certifications are a brilliant way to do that. And we cover everything from Reiki's all the way up to master level, intuitive healing trainings if you're really looking to hone that psychic ability or become an energetic healer, um, teacher training, which is an intense, incredible program for self-exploration, or if you want to become a teacher, animal communications, breath work, the list goes on and we're always adding new courses and ways to expand what you know and what you want to learn. So go to denanywhere.com, check out certifications and courses and join us. So so talk about the, like how many of these cameras are out there? Who even created this camera? Yeah, the camera was invented by this really interesting guy named Guy Coggins back in the 1970s. Um, He's still alive, still amazing, still um, really quirky, Um, very much like kind of like the mad scientist kind of guy. Like, like like I so I bought the camera from him. I drove to his house and um, he opens the door in his bathrobe. And I'm like, (laughs) is this the right place? Um, 
I mean, he had a t-shirt under the bathrobe, so I don't want to like a paint a, yeah, right. a picture, but he was just like, you know, c- kind of like shuffling around and he's, you know, older, um, but still has a lot of energy. Um, he still does yoga. He still is like very, um, talkative and really coherent. And, um, I'm walking through and he's got like, he's really into AR, which is very exciting. Um, and he's just like, uh, yeah, he's, he's really trippy, trippy dude. He has his hands in a lot of cookie jars, a lot of ideas. So he's the only one who makes this camera. As far as I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, the only camera that I'm interested in, there's a lot of computer programs out there. Um, but I am really connected to the photographic quality of this camera because it uses a really amazing film called FPC 100, which is sadly no longer in existence. So I'm operating off of dead stock. And, um, yeah, which is actually, you know what, it it was a tragedy for a while. Like when they announced, um, I think they, um, stopped making it in 2013, um, or 2014. And, um, when they announced there was like a shock through the, um, vintage photographic community, it was, it was devastating. Um, it's like the original peel apart Polaroid film. Um, and, um, so I just bought as much as I could afford and I'm running the project um, off of that. And when it runs out, it runs out and the project changes. And you know what, there's something really beautiful about that. I think, um, I haven't, I haven't, um, released how much film I have because I don't, I don't want that to be a part of the conversation. I want the part of the conversation to be more about what is this project doing? You know what I mean? Rather than like, when is it going to end? Um, cause I don't believe it's going to end. I feel like it's just going to change. That's what it is. But um, what, what is exciting is this film. This film is one of a kind. Um, it, it's not digital. And I think that's, what's really exciting about it. I mean, it's digital in the fact that it uses an algorithm, but it's also very like, um, physical and tangible, which is so rare these days. I mean, mm-hmm. when was the last time you actually had a physical photograph of yourself? And I, and I think that is also what is so exciting is as far as the experience goes, is that you're dealing with this, like kind of, you know, you're dealing with energy. You can't touch it. You can't have it. You can't show it to somebody. You just have it and it's there and it's, it's, you know, it's changing, but being able to photograph it and put it in something physical and tangible and hand it to them and be like, look, this is you right now. Um, that is such a powerful experience for somebody to actually hold that and look at it and take home and like, put it, put it in a frame, put it in a journal. I don't care, but being able to like, see yourself in that way, in that tangible physical way is I think so meaningful. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I love so actually what, how you talk about it, how it, it'll evolve the way it's supposed to evolve and owning. It's funny. You say you're not like a healer and you're, I get it, but you do, you do connect to this project in actually yeah. a very spiritual healing way. And maybe that's just in a girl who you are because of how you were raised also. Probably. <laughs> but I also I will say that I think that the big difference is A artist is responsible for the experience that they create, Mm. right? A healer is responsible for the effect that that person has. Does that make sense? Yeah, but ish, because one could argue that the effect is still going to be totally dependent on- On the person receiving it. On the client. Right. Which is also how art is. In a yeah, that's what I'm way. saying. So that's why it's actually very similar because yeah. one could argue that it's the healers really teaching the client how to be a healer. They're really only totally. teaching them how oh a gosh, good one, a good one that. actually is. I love that. A healer is responsible 
for teaching another person how to be a healer. That, really, that's own healer. a good healer is doing yeah. that. Like that's what they're really is trying to, good, good you know what I mean? So it's, totally. so it's very similar. I'm telling you, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah. but I get, I get your point too. It's like yeah. the, do not come to me thinking that I'm solving all your problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> You're like disclaimer. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Which is totally fair. So back to your parents, are you close to both your parents? Yes. Yeah. And are they still, where do they live in the world or country? My dad is still this kind of uh, vagabond. He's so interesting. He is so, like, even during COVID, he has been traveling and he still hasn't taken his vaccine. He's just like, he is like. He probably doesn't believe in them, I'm guessing, a little bit, right? You know, he does not he doesn't. He said he's going to wait a year. He's like, I'm suspicious. I, it's like, I think he equated it to um, the first iPhone. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to just wait for them to like figure out all the bugs and then I'll take it. <laughs> so I think he's just like more logical in that sense where it just makes more sense to him to just steer clear of it. But he's uh, just traveling. Yeah, he travels. He um, he lives in Montana sometimes. He lives in Nevada sometimes. And he lives in California sometimes. And he has, you know, friends that he'll visit and stay with. Um, and that's just how he rolls. He's just um, happier that way. Does he come visit you? Or how does the city life He said that he him? will visit us if we leave the city and help yes. us wherever we want to. <laughs> My mom is completely different. My mom can't wait. She already bought her plane ticket and she already has like both of her vaccines and she is so excited to come to New York city and play with her granddaughter. Yeah. It's so interesting. I was just talking to someone, I'm forgetting who it was. I interviewed someone who, oh, it was a psycho. I'm trying to remember who was saying the same thing. It was interesting. Her dad just was not good with cities at all Yeah, to the point where like, like he wouldn't go to her graduate like her master's graduation wouldn't like do major things in her life because it would be going into the city so it was the same idea but they came to like such a beautiful realization of you know when she realized as quirky as that is and as it seems very personal it actually is not personal at all um though it's hard not to take those things personally sometimes because of how we are raised to assume what relationships are supposed to look like and be which then fucks us all up um I mean that's what really fucks us up is just what everyone's told a good relationship is totally is like I think just the essence of why so many people are screwed up because then when things don't fit into that category you just feel Mm -hmm. so fucking shitty or hurt or or wronged or whatever Mm -hmm. it is when I feel like if we were all raised in this idea of like things look completely different, just depending on who all the players are, there'd be a lot less, doesn't mean there still wouldn't be hurt, but I think there'd be a lot less hurt because so much is about expectation and then don't you feel like? I think also it has a lot to do with not measuring somebody against your own fantasy, right? There's a lot of accountability and truth um, in just being able to accept someone for who they are instead of what you want them to be. Yeah. And I, yes, I totally agree. And I feel like part of the reason we want them to be something is because we're told again, we're raised with this picture. And if that person doesn't fit into that picture, it's like, well, how dare you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Even in, I see it all the time in relationships with like little things, like it has to look like this. You need to spend your time like this. You have to like mm-hmm. ask it's either marriage or not marriage, staying right. living in the same room or how, like when people find out people live in different houses. So like, <gasps> and I'm like, well, look, they're still married and they seem happy and it works yeah. for them. It's like, whatever it is, 
Um, I mean, I'm not a proponent of people suffering through things and staying together, but I am a huge proponent of like, know who you are. Absolutely. And then in the partnership, mm-hmm. how can you honor that? And, and if it works, if honoring that works for both of you, how beautiful is that? Even if it doesn't look traditional at all. Yeah. I think that that's also like a big part of the paradigm shift that we're in, right. Is that like, we're not going to fit into this like formula anymore that we're going to fit into our own formula for what works. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really about being a, like you talked about in alignment, right? Mm -hmm. Being in alignment with love is about letting go of your ego shit and just letting someone be who they are and working with it. It's, it's a dance. They move, you move with them, you move, they move with you or you're just not, or, or just like dance by yourself, you know, like there's, there's other ways to do it. It's, it, this is a, um, a time when I think there is a lot of freedom for people to break away from that, like 1950s kind of paradigm of Mm -hmm. it has to be this way. Um, I think being able to really embrace what love is, I mean, we say, I love you all the time, right. Which is beautiful, but it's like, really, what does that mean? Right. Having love show up as listening, having love show up Mm. as, you know, being the one that does the dishes instead, because, you know, the other person doesn't like them or, um, you know, being able to show up in ways that can be challenging. Sometimes that's love. You know, it's not, it doesn't always have to be just a single red rose, although those are nice too. (laughs) I totally agree. And it's, I find it's, it's the thing I find whenever I talk to anyone who's going through a hard time in anything, relationships, jobs, it always comes down to like, why do you feel you need to have that? Whatever it is, that's that big disappointment that's causing that fissure, whether it's happiness Mm -hmm. with them or fissure between two people. It's why do you think you need to have that? Like if that's something you truly, and then that's where the searching comes, which actually brings it back to your photos. Like, where are you in -hmm. life energetically? Where are you truly? Um, Because when you can start owning that and the shadow side, it's always there and there's always exploration to do. Um, And I actually find, I make this joke all the time. The joke is actually when you start doing the exploration, the shadows come up faster and more. And it's actually more prevalent weirdly than when Mm -hmm. you kind of kept this like, weird cover over everything and just pretended this side of you didn't exist. Oh yeah. Once you open it up, it's like, you know, it's like the never ending tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. But isn't that exciting though? I love it. I I love it. Like there is this moment of truth where you're like, holy shit, this is, this is what I'm working on. And, And then you get this like rush of like, wow, I can, I can really be in my truth here. And like, Mm -hmm. of course, like there can be like challenging parts too, where you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do this right now. But it's also, you know, being able to get to the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like working out. (laughs) It's like, you might like not want to do that, like 50th sit up, but then at the end you get that endorphin rush where you're like, ah, my body feels so much better. It's like being able to go through that and, um, and as far as our photography goes, being able to capture that moment mm-hmm. is also super validating. Um, I was going to talk kind of about what were you talking about before, as far as like, um, working on things, what I've noticed is um, that through aura photography, there's certain colors that get fed in different ways. And, mm. and, and what I mean by fed is that they get 
um, like a boost of energy. They, they get on their path of like, um, like, like a little bit more, they get more juice. Right. Um, what I've noticed is like for green energy, for example, um, green energy really responds well to productivity. They want to make sure that they're on track. So, um, goal setting is super important for them. So through, through that, like awareness, all of a sudden they know that that's important for them. And so to bring it back to like what we were talking about as far as like relationships and, and, and love is that if you can show up and be like, look, goal setting is super important for me. So, um, the, these, these are the things like, I want to make sure that we go on one retreat together a, a, a year or whatever, being able to show up and, and say that and, and ask for what you need mm. and then have your partner have the opportunity to show up like that. I think that that is kind of more of like the language of love that I've seen um, beneficial through, through the work that I've done. That's so interesting. Cause I, again, I feel like that goes back to honoring your truth. I say it yes. all the time. Like we all operate differently. Like yes. it drives my partner crazy that I keep my, my phone is full. Like the messages are always full. I keep it. I haven't touched that message box for probably four or five years because I know me, I've been like this mm -hmm. since voicemails were left in like yep. answering machines. So like, I am, I same. don't like checking messages. Same. I don't check my voicemail. I don't, I don't check my voicemail. I don't check my messages. <laughs> I know this about me. It's been years. It's gotten me into trouble before. Yeah. I always say that, um, you know, it's like feeding your energy of like knowing how it works. So the solution yes. for me is I keep my voicemail box full. People, if they really need to get me, always send me an email or a text or they'll text me and be like, hey, and yep. then I know to get back in touch with them and it's right I in front same. of me. And then I can communicate in a way that I know I best yep. communicate. And it drives them crazy. It's just to pick it up. I'm like, but I know I won't. It's like, yeah. so I'm honoring. I'm not saying this is a great side of me. I'm not saying I'm proud of it. But I'm saying I'm aware of like, if it were a photo, it's like, I'm aware of that color. Yes. I'm aware of this energy. And so how can I work with it versus yep. pretending like all of a sudden it's going to change to a beautiful pink or whatever it is. Totally. Like it's not well, going to change. And I feel like that's where the dance is, right? Is that like, if people are in relationship with you and I'm not just saying like your partner, but also like your friends, mm -hmm. you know, your family, people that want a relationship with you, they know that about you and they're willing to dance. You know, and I that's just kind of how it goes. I am exactly similar. I, I do not check my voicemail. I even had it in my voicemail for a while where I was like, look, I don't check my voicemail. If you want to text me like that was just, and then my, I think we were looking for an apartment and my partner was like, that sounds kind of like, you know, a little bad. And I'm like, okay, I'll change it. But it was, you know, it's, it's so a thing for me for sure. But you know what? But so, people know that about you and then they just dance with and you. to your they boyfriend's point. And yeah. what I say now, and it drives my husband crazy, slash partner, slash boyfriend, all of it together. Yeah, um, sure. I say to people like important things. Like, so if I, anything I need to do, whether it's like, I'm talking to a school for levy, a vet, like I'm going to the vet today, anywhere, whenever I'm getting off the phone with them and they're like, okay, phone number from this, I say, please make a note in my file to not call, but to email yeah. me or text me. And they're honestly all in today's day and age. So oh thankful God. for that totally. because what ends up happening is then they're like, we couldn't get you. And then information. So I, again, same thing. I just own it. Like, yeah, we're looking for a car. Cause like we, whatever, I won't bore you with the details. And I love, like, I was calling, looking at this used car and this guy, you know, they're trying to get you. He's like, but what's a phone number? And I'm like, no, 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 don't buy. And they yeah. had my text, which is hilarious. So it's funny. <laughs> he was actually texting me, but I was like, I was like, no, don't bother calling. You can either email me or text me. He's like, no, but we can leave a message. I'm like, I won't check messages. And he's like, no, but and he kept pushing. And finally I said, 
listen, I keep my voicemail full, get off the phone thing. It's not going to happen. I don't communicate this way. If you have any chance of selling this car, you're not going to call me. And that's what I said. And he was like, okay. (laughs) But like, that was my point. I'm like, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm trying to help you because I I promise you, if you try and reach me that way, it's not going to happen. Well, and then that's, that's the thing is that you actually like came into it as far as like, if you want to dance, this is how I dance. I don't yes. do the foxtrot. I do this. Yes. So it's like, if you want to dance, that's what we do. And so I, it's not, it's not about being difficult. It's about saying what works for you. And for I think sure. that that's also, it has a lot to do with the accountability, right. And self-knowledge. I think what happens when people are coming into drama of their lives, it's that most of the time they are not being accountable for their own shit. Right. And to be able to come to the table, you got to be able to know your own shit. So it, you got to have an investment in self work on yourself and come to the table with knowledge and accountability of yourself. And you will have a lot less drama in your life. Totally. I love and that. And your energy will be better. And your energy will be better. And then you'll take gorgeous photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap the whole thing up. I love it. This has been so great. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Let me know. Let us know whenever you're back up and running again. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, I'm hoping the summertime. I mean, as you know, um, New York should be like fully vaccinated by the summer. So same with us. And, and, um, but in the meantime, you guys, the book is beautiful and so informative. So called radiant human and it's gorgeous. Um, thank you, Christina. This was so lovely. It was my pleasure. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Talks Podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.